Please open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 28, the very last chapter of Acts. If you do not have a Bible, you can raise your hand, and one of our ushers will give you one that you can use. If you don't own one, you can have that one. You have one that's all yours from now on. And if you do have one at home, you just forgot it, you can just leave it in your seat when you're done. We'll use it another week. We appreciate that. Acts chapter 28, it's been a long time through Acts, and here we are in the final chapter. I am going to read all of the 31 verses. Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 1. It says, Once safely ashore, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness. They lit a fire and took us all in, since it was raining and cold. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it on fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, This man, no doubt, is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop off dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Now in the area around that place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever fever and dysentery. Paul went to him, and praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. After this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So they heaped up many honors on us. And when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had wintered at the island with the twin gods as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after after making a circuit along the coast, we reached Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and the second day, we came to Petiole. There we found brothers and sisters... And we're invited to stay a week with them. And so we came to Rome. Now the brothers and sisters from there had heard the news about us. And had come to meet us as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered together, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing these chains, this chain. Then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. After arranging a day with him, many came to him in his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God, He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. 
disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of God. Have you ever seen a movie or watched a show or read a book where you just got really invested in the story and when it got to the end you were actually kind of sad and didn't want it to be over i've had lots of those i get really into stories i'm the guy that goes to the movie and wants to talk about it after it drives my wife insane i'm, I'm all about the characters i want to connect with them this show for me was lost and if you're a lost fan you get it and if you don't know what lost is it's okay it's a sci-fi weird show that doesn't make as much sense as it tries to But it is an awesome show. I loved it even at the end. Some people hate the ending. Loved it. And it was the show that I watched for six seasons, devoted all these hours of my life to this show. And when it was finally over, I was kind of sad. And here we are at the last chapter of Acts. And I'm a little disappointed because I was supposed to be running up here to the final countdown to start the sermon. Come on, tech booth, get it together. Gabe's like, never in this world, as long as I'm back here, where we play the final countdown in church. If you don't know the final countdown, come on, people. This is the last chapter in Acts. And since I'm sad to leave the book, we're just going to go back to 1-1. We're just going to start a whole new series today. Y'all ready? Y'all are asleep or something. Some, or, like, or you're not used to being here. Some of y'all are new, and you're like, are we allowed to shout like, no, that's bad? Yeah, that's bad. We're not going to do that. That's a joke. This is the end of Acts, but it's not the end of the story. You see, this story continues. This is the story that continues. And this is a true story. Throughout Acts, we've talked about the church in chapters 1 and 2. The church that was born by the Spirit. We, saw, we talked about the Holy Spirit descending on the church with flaming tongues of fire. People speaking in different languages. People hearing different languages. And the gospel being proclaimed. And the church starting there in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended to the right hand of the Father. From there, in chapters 3 through 7, we saw the church built by the Spirit. Maybe you've forgotten because it's been a while if you've been here with us. We spent a lot of chapters there at the beginning of Acts where the church did not leave Jerusalem. Even though Jesus had told them they're going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They stayed in Jerusalem because the church was being built by the Spirit. Learning what it meant to go and heal and proclaim the gospel. In chapters 8 through 14, we finally saw the church on the move. If you remember, it was persecution that pushed the church out. Stephen was the first martyr in the church, and as he proclaimed the gospel, they threw stones at him until he died. And the church began a time of persecution where they feared for their lives. But as they left Jerusalem, they did not leave the message behind. They went in the power of the Spirit, and they took the message of the gospel to all who would hear and some who wouldn't. From there, the church developed what we called growing pains. Chapters 14 through 20, we talked about the church's growing pains. Um, There was this tension between Jews and Gentiles, and what laws did you have to keep to actually be a Christian, and what did it mean to actually be a Christian, what did it mean to be Jewish, and 
Maybe you remember that, maybe you don't. If you haven't been here with us, you can go back and read through Acts. It's really great and it's important for us. In these last chapters, 21 through 28, we've been focusing on the idea of whatever it takes. Because the gospel was going out from Jerusalem, we begin to follow Paul. We'd been following Peter in the early church, and we shift over to this character who's Saul, then becomes Paul. And we see, honestly, just his fervor, his determination, his spirit empowerment that carried him through all kinds of things. False accusations, imprisonment, beatings, life-threatening situations, shipwrecks, all kinds of stuff. And Paul, with one mind, kept going and saying, whatever it takes, I will serve the Lord Jesus and I will make him known wherever I go to the ends of the earth. We saw for a while he felt compelled to go back to Jerusalem, and he did. And once he's there, he is compelled to go on to Rome. And that is where we pick up today. But church here today, brothers and sisters, family, I want you to know this isn't just some story. This is our story. If you're part of the church now, this is the church's story that continues with you. If you're here today and you do not call yourself a Christian, you're here with a friend or you're invited or you just want to check us out for whatever reason, friend, what you're hearing is a true story. If you doubt the Bible, if you doubt the gospel, I challenge you to pursue those doubts. Question your doubts because I believe this is true and the truth will hold up. In Acts chapter 28, we find this story and we find... Um, the story that's actually going to make me the best Baptist preacher in the world. Are you ready for this? I have three points today that all start with P. <laughs> if you've not been in a Baptist church your whole life, that's okay. I know we got people from different backgrounds. It's a big deal, and it's usually my joke. And when I realized I did it today, I was like, oh, man, what happened to me? I've become my dad. No. <laughs> he actually doesn't even do that. I just, you know, whatever. In verses 1 through 10, we're going to see that this is a story of power. In verses 11 through 16, we're going to see this is a story of perseverance. And in verses 17 through 31, we're going to see this is a story of proclamation. A story of power, a story of perseverance, and a story of proclamation. So in verses 1 through 10, we have Paul and his companions shipwrecked at Malta. I don't know how many of you are like sailors. I know we live near the coast. Some of you may like that whole life. I've been out on a boat. One time, like a small fishing boat, and I got a great view of the side of it the whole time. You get what I'm saying? So the idea of a shipwreck is just not really my thing. That's that, No thanks, I'm good. Um, but Paul goes through all this, and he gets to Malta, and he's still on mission. And we see him working powerfully, or the Spirit working powerfully through him, rather. And what this is, though, is it's just carrying on a theme that we've seen throughout the book of Acts. Way back in Acts 1-8, Luke, the writer of Acts, recorded Jesus saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power. This is something that freaks some of us out. Some of you, if you're in here for the first time, you're like, oh no, is this one of those weird churches that's going to talk about like miracles and stuff? Yes, we are. And some of you are like, oh man, that's all I'm about. It's all about the power. Let's, let's see some miracles when I was about to do like a backflip into the baptistry or something. Like, okay, let's chill out because we're worshiping Jesus. That's why we have the power and this kind of stuff. So somewhere in the middle there we find scripture that, that shows us the Spirit's power working for the proclamation of who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's where we find Paul here. 
Oh, in verses 1 through 7, we just read it, so I'm not just going to read it back to you again. We find this wild story where Paul's had this shipwreck, and he's gathering firewood. And when they light it up, a snake comes out and bites him on the hand. I already told you I'm not all about being in boats in a storm or whatever. We all snakes? <laughs> Only good snake's a dead snake. Some of y'all are like, you can't say that from the pulpit. That's just your opinion. No, 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 no. Genesis 3 says, I will step on his head and crush him. This is biblical, y'all. I don't do snakes. Also, we are not a snake handling church. If that's your thing and you're about to pull one out, go ahead and leave. I trust the Lord. We're not testing the Lord, though. Paul gets a snake on his hand, shakes off into the fire like it's nothing, like a boss. But these people are like, justice has come to him. Now, if you notice in your Bible, it should have justice capitalized because they're actually referring to a goddess they call justice. They're saying, this man's a murderer and justice has found him. He's going to be killed. He survived that shipwreck, but he's not getting away from our goddess. But Paul just shakes us off because, y'all, there ain't no goddess justice. And Paul knows the real God. And that real God told him he's going to Rome and he's not in Rome yet which means a snake is not going to stop him. Actually, if you look back in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, promise, Jesus promises his disciples that they will be able to step on scorpions' heads and step on snakes' heads and continue on. This is a fulfillment of what Jesus said, showing that he has power over all things to carry the message forward, and he does. We see, once again, this has happened before to Paul. People are saying, oh, no, you're a god with a little g because he survived this. But as we know, that's not what Paul's going to stop and say. We see more power here because um, a man named Publius is there. He's the leader of Malta. What's really cool about this, especially if you're here today and you're not so sure about the Bible, you can check historically and find out about Publius. He really was this kind of lead man. That was this odd title, this chief at Malta. And his dad was sick, very sick and dying. And Paul goes and heals this man in the power of the Spirit. Church, the main thing I want you to get here is that we continue in the power of the Spirit today. The Spirit is no less powerful right now than He was then and that He always will be. If you're one who says, well, you know, we we think that all these kind of miraculous things have stopped in the Bible, first of all, there's no clear verse that says that. Second of all, a common component of that argument is, well, toward the end of Acts, we don't see as many miracles. Remember, we're in the very last chapter, and we got two Right here, that if either one of those things happened right here in this service, we'd have some people testifying. Okay? These are two big miracles happening right here in the final chapter that shows this is the continuation of the story. The Spirit's not done. The way we primarily see the Spirit work in power that we don't even celebrate anymore is when people move from death and sin to life in Christ. Oh, it takes... God's power to bring someone to faith in Jesus because dead things don't come to life on their own. They don't. When you realize your sin before a holy God and you realize that he alone is good and powerful and he is the giver of all life and that we are dead in our sin and trespasses. Multiple passages say that. We are dead in our sin and trespasses. Then you say, what's going to bring me to life? What's going to give me this new birth that Jesus talks about in John chapter 3? I often tell people this. People people talk about new birth, like you need to be born again. First time you were born, did you have any say in it? No. When you're reborn in Christ, you don't have any say in it. The Holy Spirit powerfully works and brings people from death to life by God's grace. 
So when we see someone profess faith in Christ, that's something we should celebrate and know that this is a miracle of God and the Spirit working mightily and powerfully. We downplay that so much, maybe because we have too small of a view of God, maybe because we have too high of a view of ourselves. Do I think the Spirit can help us survive snake bites today? Yes, I do. Do I think he will every time? No. Do I think he can heal people today? Yes, I do. Do I think he's going to heal people every time? No. You say, well, that's not fair. Why doesn't he do it every time? In God's perfect wisdom, he is working all things for his glory and for the good of his people. I promise you that. I see it in scripture. I've seen it in my own life. Many of you have experienced it in your lives. But don't take, I haven't seen these things happen, to dare say that God can't or God won't. He is powerful and he is mighty. And this story that's continuing, continues in power. In verses 11 through 16, we find this is also a story of perseverance. Perseverance. Paul here is finally in Rome. Again, y'all, people had beaten him, accused him, locked him up, threatened him with death. We had people uh, several weeks ago, there were, there were 40 people in the book that it says took an oath to not eat or drink until Paul died. It's a very serious situation, and he just kept on saying, nope, Lord's taking me this way, Lord's taking me this way. I'm supposed to go and proclaim the gospel. I'm supposed to go and proclaim the gospel. And he did. Now, the point of this is not, man, Paul's such a good guy. We just need to be like Paul. That would be a bad sermon. If I did that and we left out of here, you should see me on the way out and be like, that's a bad sermon. Because it's not just go be like Paul and do better. The good news here is that the same Lord and Savior and powerful spirit that carried and kept Paul in those times and saw him persevere is the same Lord that we serve and the same spirit that dwells in us today. You may be going through tough times. You may doubt your faith. But I promise you, those in whom God has begun a good work, he will see through to the day of completion and the day of Jesus. The doctrine here, the theology here is called the perseverance of the saints. Which I think sometimes we can throw on our shoulders and be like, oh, that means I've got to persevere. It might mean you have to persevere. But it means ultimately those who are gods are in his hand and no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. We are his. And we will continue on as long as God sees fit. I love it when Paul gets there and he sees other believers. It says, Paul thanked God and took courage when he met members of the church in Rome. Thanked God and took courage. Believer, if you're struggling to persevere, if you're in a low point, I encourage you, you need to be with other believers. Do not forsake the gathering. Don't forsake the fellowship. We need each other. Just because Philip and I can stand up here sometimes, Pastor Marcus can stand up here sometimes, doesn't mean we're any better. We need each other. God has saved us into his family and into his people, and we are called to be on mission as a family. Our our whole... (laughs) um, Vision here is God's family on mission. You'll hear us say that a lot. And we'll say, we're not like a family. We are a family. God's family on mission. I think that's so huge because even for my own life a lot, I try to make it that I'm God's on mission. I just skip the family part. I'm God's on mission. I got to figure out what's about my life. And even as we sit here and listen to a sermon, we hear it as individuals, right? We forget that we're part of a people whom God is bringing together. We forget that this is just as much for the person next to you as it is for you. This is God's word for us, church for us, family. Church, what I want you to get here in verses 11 through 16 is that by God's grace, we will persevere in faith to the end. 
and we will do it together. We'll do it together. God's not going to let us fail. He's not going to let his church fail. Now, pause, break a little bit from my notes. Somehow, in some way, we have taken Christianity and tied it up with American history and American politics often. And sometimes we will use rhetoric that makes it sound as though if America fails, then the church is doomed. Or look at the church in America just so in decline, what's the world going to do? Maybe you don't know this, but one, Christianity did not start in America. Number two, American Christians do not make up the majority of Christians in the world right now. Christianity is currently majority in the southern hemisphere of the globe. Okay? That's not where we live. Okay? God is going to see out his purposes in his church. Be encouraged, church. You may look around and say the church is in decline in America. Maybe that's true. It depends on what stats you look at. Be encouraged that God will not fail. His church will not fail. Satan is not going to win. The world is not going to win. God will foresee, he has foreseen, he is holding now his people. We will one day be with him. In the meantime, we may be in a culture that hates us. We may be in a culture that makes fun of us. Y'all, honestly, in America, we don't, we've never experienced suffering like that. We, we say, oh, it's getting hard. It's hard times now because at work, I just can't talk as openly about Jesus as I used to. Can we not or we just, we just don't? It's probably, probably more accurate. I mean, we've been given a mission, church. And our mission continues. And I wonder often if we can really count ourselves as part of God's people, the church of history, since this time in Acts forward and forward into eternity until Jesus comes back for us, if we're not part of that mission. I don't see any chapter in all of Acts where church is just showing up on Sundays. I see the church persevering in mission. And I think we're called to do that together. In verses 17 through 31, this last half of this chapter, we see that this is also a story of proclamation. A story of proclamation. In Rome, Paul again goes to the Jews to preach first, as was his pattern. Some of you may know Romans 1, 16 and 17. You can look it up later if not. But it says, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. That is Paul's pattern throughout the book of Acts. He goes and he proclaims the Jews. Some receive, some reject. And then he says, I'm going to the Gentiles. That's what Jesus told me to do. Happens here again. In verses 17 through 20, he kind of tells them his story. This is where I've been. This is how I got to Rome. Remember, Paul could have been let go from prison, but he appealed to Caesar, seeing this in all of God's wisdom as the way to get to Rome, where he felt like God was leading him. We actually see openness to hear Paul in verses 21 and 22. Look at those verses. It says, then they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are. Since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. If you've been with us through Acts or if you go back and look at it on your own, multiple times, Paul got to places, they already knew who he was and they were doing this. Mm-mm. He finally gets them where they were like, we want to hear your views. Y'all better know, don't, don't tell a preacher to preach. 
Paul, Paul got there, and they were like, we want to hear a sermon. He's like, sit back. I got four hours coming at you right here. I, I just imagine him like getting pumped up right there, and they finally want to hear. So he preaches the gospel from the scriptures. Notice verse 23. After arranging a day with him, many came, at, came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. That means he's preaching Jesus from the Old Testament. <gasps> Some of us, maybe even here today, have negative views of the Old Testament. We say it's outdated, doesn't apply to us, it's just our history. That's not true. The Old Testament is for us, and the gospel is proclaimed in the Old Testament just like it is in the New Testament. And Paul goes there to argue and say, this is the word of God. And he tells them, I've not abandoned our traditions. In fact, Jesus fulfills these traditions and is what they were always pointing to. And he points them that way. I don't know why Luke chose not to record this sermon. It seems like the one where people were finally eager to hear him would have been a great one. But the Holy Spirit, for some reason, guided Luke to not do that. Being a preacher, I would love to have seen this one. But I can just imagine Paul working through, starting with the law, the Pentateuch, um, the first five books of the Old Testament, getting to the prophets in the Old Testament, these places that maybe you skip through or we just let our eyes kind of glaze over as we read them. He dug into those and explained, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. This is the Messiah you've been waiting for. If you've not been waiting for a Messiah, this is what your heart has been longing for. Now, we all know the world's messed up. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows there's something wrong. The question is, what makes that right? Now, some people would say, you know, the idea of justice or the idea of... Um, equality or whatever it might be. These are good things that are even included in the gospel, but those things alone are no saviors. What we're longing for is Jesus. I can see him walking them through, through the meta-narrative of Scripture, the creation, fall, redemption, and restoration of all things. I see him showing this is who God is and this is who we are and our sin. Though, though he's holy, he made us to be holy with him, but we fell into sin and he loved us anyway. So, so he sent Jesus to live and die in our place and to defeat sin and death by victoriously raising from the grave that all who would trust him can be with him forever, have hope now and forever, have life now and forever, and live with purpose and meaning I can see him. I can imagine Paul pointing this out to them. And it makes me sad because I read verse 24 and it says, Some were persuaded by what he said, which praise the Lord. Again, we just said that's a big miracle when some are persuaded. But others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. This is bold by Paul, y'all. I'm all about some bold preaching, stepping on toes. Paul goes and picks straight out of Isaiah, and is like, you know what? I'm going to get all over your toes. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors, the prophet Isaiah, when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. 
don't know how many preachers you've heard that when they got to the end and told you about Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, they call to faith. They say, trust him as Savior and Lord. Trust that he died in your place, paid the penalty for your sins, that you receive his righteousness. Trust that he is the Son of God who will reign forever on his throne. And then they look and say, oh, and by the way, if you don't hear, you've been prophesied about too. You're not hearing. And this matters. And I'm doing my part because I'm telling you. If you're here today, you're hearing the gospel. Do not leave here today uncertain about Jesus. Don't leave here today without a conversation. At least. Consider who Jesus is and what he's done. You may say, well, I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll work all this out later in my life. We don't get to decide when we die. And we do die, folks. Seems like people get uncomfortable when we talk about death, but we need to realize that we are finite beings. Time goes by quickly. But Jesus is constant through the ages. We have a Lord who calls us to walk in power and to persevere and to go and proclaim his good news. And if you're here today and you're hearing this for the first time, today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day that you can turn away from sin and find new life in him and trust in Jesus. And I hope you'll talk to Pastor Philip or me or, or any of our members who represent Christ. As Philip was saying earlier, we are ambassadors of Christ. Talk to any of our members before you leave here about who Jesus is and how you can follow him. Because it matters not just now, but forever. It matters. And Paul knew that. And while this may sound like a frustrating thing, I think this is still him trying to convince them. Because remember, he's arguing from the Old Testament. I think he's drawing out more Old Testament and saying like, see, this is still true. This still applies. Everything else I told you is also true. This is still true. Verse 28, he says, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. If you're here today and you're not of Jewish descent, that's really good news for you. That's been a theme throughout Acts is that the gospel is not just for those born into the Hebrew people, but for all who have faith in Jesus. I'm a Gentile. I am thankful for God's grace to Gentiles. Without it, I could not be saved. And here, Paul once again turns that way. Now, verses 30 and 31 give such a good encapsulation of Acts. So if you kind of checked out for a minute, I want you to look at verses 30 and 31. Says Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul knew what his task was. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone, Christian? Not talk to your Christian friends about Jesus. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone who does not know Jesus? You see, the way that the church is furthered, the way that the gospel is furthered, is we share the gospel and God saves the people. That is the only plan. There is no other plan. It's this or nothing. How will they hear if we do not tell them? Paul, for two years in a pseudo-prison, in this house that he's renting, still remained on mission, welcoming everyone who visited him 
Most of us get mad when our doorbell rings, like, oh, who's that? Paul welcomes him in and sees opportunity to proclaim. And he starts proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is a way um, New Testament writers and Jesus himself kind of formulate this idea of the gospel, that it's his kingdom restoring all the earth. And teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, notice these last two things, with all boldness and without hindrance. Boldness. Do you consider yourself a bold person? I know some people who would say yes. They're like, yeah, I'll talk to anybody about anything. You know, I'll tell them what I think about Donald Trump. I'll just leave it for that, because whether it's good or bad, that's up to you. I'll tell them what I think about Donald Trump. I'll, I'll talk about sports and tell them how bad their team is. If somebody needs to hear something, I'm the one to tell them at work. Somebody's got to tell them, I'm a bold person. And it's like, oh, when have you shared your faith with people? Well, I'm not really an evangelist. I don't really have that gift. Show me in Scripture, I do see that evangelism is a gift that some are especially good at, but show me in Scripture where we get to opt out. We're supposed to be bold, church. Again, the, the, the worst most of us face, is, face in this country is having people maybe look down on us or think we're weird. In our huddle this morning, we talked about the fact that often we just don't want to be seen as that Christian. Right? That's what we say. Well, I don't want to be one of those Christians. So I'm, I'm going to try to be cool and talk about the gospel occasionally. Or we use great excuses like, well, you've got to build relationships with people first. And then you can share the gospel. And some of you are like, yeah, that's what I think. Have you not noticed that it's harder to share the gospel with the people you're closest to? We even talked in huddles, it, it may be a better idea to just always be talking about Jesus, whether it's somebody new or somebody we've known. Maybe in every conversation we're in, see if you can't find a way to bring up Jesus. He's worthy. I hope if you talk to me for more than a few minutes that at some point in that conversation we talk about Jesus. What a thing to aim for, right? Surely there's good news, there's encouragement there that we can give. And some of you are really good at this, by the way, church. I don't want to just talk down to you here and say this is what you should do. We got some people here who this is what happens. You talk to them for three minutes and suddenly you're like praying and being blessed and like crying and singing songs. Some of y'all are encouragers. I appreciate that. Thank you. Keep that up. Notice this last phrase, it doesn't just bother you a little bit, it bothers me. And without hindrance. Literally, Paul is probably chained to a table while this is happening. Chained up. And yet he's sharing the gospel without hindrance. And then we make up all kinds of hindrances. Things that we call hindrances that aren't hindrances. But they're things that make us uncomfortable. Or things that may just be inconvenient. I wonder why we don't proclaim. Church, from these verses, I really want you to get that we still have good news that people need to hear. We still have a mission to make disciples. And while that's the last line in the book of Acts, folks, the story continues. The story goes on. We don't just end Acts and go, man, I'm really going to miss those characters. That was so cool how the church kind of started out and just expanded. And then we have our own way now. And we just, you know, we just put lots of money into it. And, that, and that'll just make everything work. Lots of money. Make it like Six Flags Over Jesus. People will come. We don't maybe say it that way, but that's how we try to do church, right? Where all we see over and over again in the 
New Testament, the church gathers and then scatters and goes and takes the gospel with them. And they gather and they scatter. And when we leave here today, I hope you know you're leaving to go on mission. You're leaving in power to go on mission. You're leaving in perseverance that God sustains you to go on mission. You're leaving to go proclaim the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. Christian brothers and sisters, do you participate in this mission each day? Do you understand there's urgency here? There are people here in Charleston, probably within a stone's throw of this place, that don't know the gospel. They don't know Jesus. Do you know that we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, empowering us to do this mission? That we will persevere in faith? Will you go this week where you live, work, and play and proclaim the gospel to somebody? Tell somebody. I think if we believe this, we'll do that. Unbelieving friends... This story can be your story. You can be part of this story. You see, I said earlier, we're all longing for community. We're all longing for meaning. Some of us are longing just to be recognized or seen. Some of us are longing to be loved. And I promise you, While we may find glimpses of that in this world, that deep longing is a good, God-given longing because he created you, and that longing will only be satisfied in him. God knows us about us, and when we sin, he did not leave us to our sin. Instead, he sent his son to come and live among us, a perfect, loving, gracious, selfless life that ended with a selfless death where he took on our sin and died in our place. But he is alive now. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin and death. And all who trust in him will as well. And you can do that today. You can be counted as one of his children. You can be counted as part of this family. We will walk with you on what it looks like to turn away from sin as we continue to do the same thing ourselves. We'll walk through, walk with you on what it looks like to go and tell people about Jesus as, as we try to get better at that ourselves. We're hoping to serve our community even this week tangibly. We want you to do that with us. We want you to be part of the story that God is telling. You see, God's story is ultimately about God. And in his holiness, he would have every right to completely exclude people like us from his story. But in his grace, he does not exclude us. He actually comes and brings us into his story and makes us part of his story, all for his glory and praise. Today, if you're a Christian or if you're not, and you say, I want to be part of this mission, I want to be part of this story, I don't know what to do next. We actually have a station back there called Next Steps. When we finish up today, I hope you'll go meet one of us back there. Come just have a conversation about what's next for you. What is God calling you to do next for his glory?
We've been in Acts for a long, long time. And over the next three weeks, taking these words even just from this final line, we're going to have a series called Be Bold. Be Bold. And it's going to lead us up to Easter. It's going to be three weeks. You're going to hear from each one of our pastors, Lord willing. And we're going to try to get into some of the day-to-day what this actually looks like. And hopefully it'll be a time that will equip and will call you and challenge you to be bold with the gospel. Church, I hope you'll come be part of that. And I hope you won't just come and say, oh, that's, that's a good job, Pastor. Good job on that series. I hope you will come and be changed and go and be bold. I don't care if people ever remember the sermon series. We want them to know Jesus. And I want the same thing for you here today. I don't care if you remember me. I don't care if you remember what songs we sang today. We want you to leave here knowing Jesus. And I want those of you who do know Jesus to leave here telling others about him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Acts.